0: This is The Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's
1: Sports Station.
0: Live from the auction community studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Special guest. I... I fear it's only for the first 30 seconds of the show but Sarah Cazell hung around I think just to do that dance move and now wave and yeah now she's okay Mitch Frield just behind the glass Mitch is not dancing I'm not dancing because we have serious business to get to Mitch very serious very serious what is it I don't remember oh, I thought if I set it up then you would I don't know I don't know what it is either I tell you what we have we have a Cardinals football game this weekend that I'm pretty excited about I would, uh, I, mean, I would have been excited anyway, week two of the NFL season under normal circumstances. But given everything that has happened in the last six months, I've uh, made it a point to make sure I'm appreciating sports more now that we have them back. But on top of all that, when's the last time we went into a Cardinals game that we were pretty confident they should win? Doesn't mean they will. Washington's 1-0 and also. But it was mean, the last time we went into a game it's like, the Cardinals should win this game, and this game matters. It's not Week
2: 16 and the other team is sitting all their players. I just can't wait to pull off my favorite cheer. Beat the football team. <laughs> beat the football team. I
0: had this idea last weekend when uh, when Washington beat Philadelphia that Philadelphia should then lose their name. They should be the Washington Eagles, and then it should be the Philadelphia football team. And somebody on Twitter, and I'm sorry I don't have their name. You can always tweet into the show, by the way, at rundown987. Had the great idea of, okay, and now whoever Philadelphia beats loses their name to so Philadelphia. So it's now a plague, yeah. essentially? So they could be the Philadelphia Rams if they're able to beat uh, uh, L.A. this weekend.
2: I don't know if they want that.
0: <laughs> well, it's better than losing to the Washington football team. Now, the problem with this, with having expectations for the local NFL team, is I can't... I can't make fun of Philadelphia right now, right? Because if the Cardinals go out and lose to the Washington football team this weekend, all of a sudden I feel kind of silly making fun of the Eagles.
2: Well, the Eagles have their own problems, but I think it's okay to feel high about how well the Cardinals are going to do this Sunday. Yeah. But I think at the same time, there's a good chance that we're overlooking the most important part of Washington's team. Granted, we've talked about it all week. Oh. And that's their defense, which is the easiest way to neutralize the best part about the Cardinals team, their offense. Yeah, I I mean
0: I think that's fair. We've only seen one game out of Chase Young. He looked pretty good. Um, Where I feel good about this game is when you flip that. If you want to say, first of all, I don't think Washington's defense is good enough to completely neutralize the Cardinals, but I see what you're saying. That's clearly the strength of their team. So let's say they do. Let's say the Cardinals start slow offensively, and they just never really get going. I mean... I'm sure the Cardinals would love to play a 41-31 to game this weekend because you think that's possible against a team like Washington. And the second part of that is, if I'm a Washington fan, I don't trust their offense. And I do think the Cardinals' defense is a little bit better than people realize. Um, And I think that they should be able to exploit—I mean, hopefully I'm not eating all my words on Monday. I really have no interest in eating words— they should be able to exploit Washington's offense in this game. So let's say let's say Washington's defense is better than we realize. And Chase Young is already he's already arrived. That's very possible. And the Cardinals offense looks more like the offense we saw in the first half against San Francisco. I still think the Cardinals defense is further enough ahead of Washington's offense that they should win this game. NFL, anything can happen, I get that, and you're never going to feel like Washington's done because, what, Philadelphia was up 17-0 and they lost that game 27-17. But I, you know, I, now that we've had a few days to sort of look back on that Cardinals game, and Mitch, you're there with me on Sunday when we do the pre-pre the and the post-post game shows, the element that really has me maybe more encouraged than anything else is that Kyler Murray really didn't have a good game by Kyler Murray standards, and he just casually ripped off 91 yards rushing because it was sort of just there. And really, he had more than that, but with the kneeling and everything, he dropped dropped down to 91 by the end of the game. But it was just kind of like, you get get the sense that Kyler Murray could just casually rush for 1,000
2: yards in a season if he had to. He could do what David Johnson always said he would do, which is rush for 1,500 and receive for 1,000. I don't know about the receiving part so much. It's but gonna be tough for him to do the fifteen hundred <laughs> rushing yards seems doable for Murray if he was able to get almost hundred last week. What did Lamar Jackson finish with last year? I mean, it was a ridiculous
0: number. And and don't get me wrong, Lamar Jackson is a is a a better running quarterback in my mind than Kyler Murray, partially because he's a running quarterback and Kyler Murray isn't. But when he rushed for twelve hundred six yards? Like I don't think Kyler, I don't think we'll ever see him hit that number. But would he have five forty four last year? I just think as these games get more important, and they should be more important this season than they were last year, we're going to see more of what we saw from him in the second half of San Francisco's got a really good defense. They may have the best defense the Cardinals play this year other than, what, Buffalo in like Week 10, but receivers other than DeAndre Hopkins weren't getting open, and Kenyon Drake didn't really get going on the ground, so
2: the other option was just Kyler just ran. Like, I don't think he wants to run that much, but he had to. Just to tangent off that real quick, is there any quarterback who could beat Lamar Jackson in rushing yards this season? I don't think it's possible. But there's a lot of good running quarterbacks in this league now because that's the mantra.
0: Yeah, I I don't think there is. I mean, Lamar would have to miss time for that to be And I don't even would it be. Do you think Kyler Murray is second best, though? I think he's he if if they were all trying to run like if they're all trying to run the same offense yes I'd rather have Kyler Murray running than Josh Allen but um but I think Buffalo is probably more comfortable with Allen running Allen's huge and uh, they don't have the receivers that the Cardinals do although Buffalo Buffalo is an intriguing team to me like I'm I'm gonna be checking them out over the course of the season because they've they certainly have the best chance of anybody to to knock the Patriots off in that division and uh, they they believe they can do it which is obviously key we've seen a lot of teams just sort of cower against the Patriots in the past. Um, but back to the Cardinals here. I mean, going into this weekend, it, isn't it just a good feeling? You're going into this game. You feel like it's a game you can
2: win. It's very important if you do win. I mean, think about all the times we felt like this team was going to win and then they didn't. So many no, times in the past three. Times. Well, just in general, <laughs> it makes me sad. We feel confident for once they're going to win, and there's a good chance that they will win because on paper they are very much the better team.
0: Yeah, but yes, uh, agreed. But the second part of the equation is is the one that you can't miss there. And it matters if they win. Like if they go out there and take care of business against Washington on Sunday, it's a big deal. It makes them two and zero. It's not. This is not them playing some, you know, bad team at the end of last season. And it's, this is not them playing Cleveland on December fifteenth, the last season. And okay, they, they, you know what? I think they could beat Cleveland. Hey, they did. Great. They're four nine and one. Like big deal. They beat Washington. They're two and zero. And. The thing with Washington is they are more of an unknown to me than a team like the Jets, who the Cardinals play in Week 5. We know the Jets are awful, and they all hate each other. At least that's the perception they give off. Washington, they're, they're a bit of an unknown. The other thing, the other factor, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get more into it throughout the show and certainly on Sunday, it's Cardinals' first home game of this season. Obviously no fans. Sounds like the earliest they would have fans at a game, if they have fans at games this year, would be October 25th, that game against the Seahawks. That's, that's a ways away. A lot can change. But it is still your first home game of a season where you have expectations with, uh, with the playoffs in mind. And even if the fans aren't going to be there, the Washington football team still has to travel across the country. You are playing in your home stadium. There needs to be an advantage there. And I don't know what that advantage is. I don't know how you quantify that compared to when you have your fans. But there is still some sort of an advantage there.
3: Arizona
2: Sports. Breaking news. So I figured since we're talking about the Pac-12 here. Yes. This is news that just broke from their CEO group a few minutes ago. Okay, The Pac-12 CEO group had an informative and productive meeting earlier today. We plan to reconvene this coming Thursday, September 24th to make a decision regarding possible return to play prior to January 1st. The health and safety of our student-athletes and all those connected to Pac-12 sports will continue to be our number one priority in all of our decision-making. Huh. So not reconvening for almost a full week. What did they meet about exactly
0: then? This feels like... I've never worked in an office, but I know people that have. And the thing that frustrates them the most is the meeting to have another meeting. Like, hey, everybody get together on Friday afternoon. Nobody can go home early on the, on this Friday because we're going to meet about how we're going to meet on
2: Tuesday. Didn't we just sit through an entire baseball offseason, extended offseason, where they did the exact same thing? Yes. I thought you were going to say, didn't we just sit through an entire baseball season no, where it felt like a meeting with no, the Diamondbacks? No, 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 uh, no.
0: Who, by the way, we'll keep you updated on that game tonight. They are trailing 1-0 bottom of the third, but in, in traditional Zach Gallon form, he loaded the bases with no outs in the bottom of the first, gave up one run, but got out of it after that. So, uh, But there's already get runners on first and second here in the third against the Astros. Um, so that's interesting because a lot of the talk with the Pac-12 is, could they start on Halloween? That's sort of the, the you know, maybe we can pull this off, maybe we start on Halloween. That is that is the Saturday before week eight of the NFL season. And the reason that that is important, and the reason you've heard a lot of people debating all day, you know, is that enough, or do they have to push it back to November 7th, or maybe even November 14th? Um, I don't care, to me, the difference between October 31st and November 7th. I don't care about that, as long as they're playing in 2020. Now, I'll give you the, the typical caveat. I don't want to put a bunch of student-athletes in their late teenage years at risk for my entertainment, especially when those guys aren't getting paid. Professional athletes are getting paid. The NCAA is getting paid when the, when these uh, guys are out there playing at the college level. So I don't want that. But if it's deemed safe, then to me it doesn't make a difference if it's October 31st or November 7th. But I understand why people are sort of freaking out about it because... You're already pushing it on October 31st. If you go to November 7th or November 14th, it gets a lot more difficult to get enough games in to be eligible for the playoffs in a best-case scenario. So the fact that they met today and now they're pushing it back another week before they meet again, it is significant in that regard, don't you think?
2: Yes. But I think the other part of it that we're overlooking is, yes, we're talking about health and safety of the players, but the players are talking about they just want to play.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's going to be a major driving force in this because now you have the other four of the of the five power conferences are going to play. I know there's, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of benefits if the Pac-12 plays in 2020. You know, there's there's sponsorship. You'll get some of your money back. You know, it's there's there's all these different things. It's look, just entertainment for the fans. I think you know. Again, if it's safe, we all need this. But the biggest thing that's going to drive it is you're going to get hammered in recruiting going forward if you just didn't have a season this year and all the other Power Five conferences did. Like, I don't think there's any, there's there's rarely somebody that's like, I really want to go to Alabama, but instead I'm going to go to Oregon State. That just doesn't happen. Like, if you're good enough to go to Alabama and that's where you want to go, that's where you're going to go. But I do think there is an element of, you know, if, like how many times have we seen Jaden Daniels tweet in the last couple weeks, hey, we want to be playing. It's one of the top recruits here at ASU, ready to go, and he's not the only one in this conference, so if they're able to play, they're going to need to play.
2: Well, wasn't it also not that long ago we were just talking about how ASU had a better ranked recruiting class than that of USC? Yeah. That was huge. Yeah. Well,
0: not, yeah, it, absolutely,
2: but even in, in the within the
0: context of this story, a better ranked recruiting class than a lot of the top programs around the country. Right. And that's what I'm saying. I don't think ASU would all of a sudden lose all their recruits, but if you have a team that is the number 15 recruiting class or whatever, I'm just throwing out numbers, you may suddenly find yourself being the number 35 recruiting class or something. And that's just, that's, that would be across the conference. It's obviously different for each school. You know, the ASU has a bit of an advantage with a, with a personality like Herm Edwards running the show, but just collectively your conference, now that all four of the other power five conferences are playing, I, I don't know that you, you, you have an option to not play unless you know the Pac-12 is dealing with other issues with wildfires and everything and air quality. But I mean, if if it gets to the point where where word gets out that it's safe enough, I just I don't know that the conference can afford to sit behind and miss an entire essentially season and then just play on their own in February or whatever. All right, we come back. A lot of optimism about the Arizona Cardinals. Whenever they do challenge for a division title, whether that's this year or three or four years down the line, what's the biggest obstacle standing in their way? We'll get into that next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. All right, I hope everybody's enjoying their Friday evening as we head into week two of the NFL season. Like I said, Mitch, I'm I'm all in on sports, even more so than I was before the pandemic. I mean, look, all of us in this building are—we work full time in sports.
2: It's the—it's the general understanding that if you can't have something, you want it more. Yeah. So now that it's here, <laughs> that we got to get the most thing. of
0: it. Um, but here, this is my—this uh, is how I'm going to exemplify that. I'm so excited to have sports back. I watched Browns Bengals last night.
2: I did too. No, but I was also here at the station. That's true. Working, really had no choice. You basically had to watch. Well, I think at the same time, Thursday night football hits a little differently than, you know, an average baseball game on a Thursday night. Yeah, I
0: would say Thursday night football hits a little bit differently in September uh, than it does in like December as well. Unless it's a good game. But you know how we get to that point in the season where so many players are like, okay, yeah, this is the quality of the game's not as, as good anymore because we're all beat up and we just played three weeks in a row and now we get to play short week on a Thursday. Um, interesting note, as we're talking, I think I just broke the computer, so I'm going to have to fix that during the break.
2: I was going to say, have you seen next week's slated game for Thursday? I have not. The Battle of Florida. Oh. Miami and Jacksonville.
0: I would be more interested in the Battle of Florida if it was Miami and Jacksonville and Tampa Bay all on the field at the same time. Uh,
2: could you imagine? Then, then you could really pique my interest I think there. I'd even be more interested if it was Miami and Tampa.
0: Yeah. And not
2: Miami and Jacksonville.
0: And you could see Gardner Minshew, though. I mean, does it get more exciting than that mustache? Probably. Uh, yeah. So, okay, here's my question for you. We are talking about this leading up to the show. Whenever the Cardinals... Whatever you think of them right now, either you think, okay, great start, but they're not ready yet, or great start, and uh, yeah, this puts them on the, uh, on the map as a team that could challenge for a playoff spot since there are now seven in each conference, or you're the eternal optimist, and you're like, hey man, just beat the top team in the division from last year. Why can't they win the division this year? Wherever you are on that, I think we can all agree that once you drafted Kyler Murray and you traded for DeAndre Hopkins, the ultimate goal here became winning the division, whether that's this year, or next year, or 2022. I think it's fair to say if the Cardinals haven't won the NFC West by 2022, it's going to be a major disappointment. Now, I'm giving you three years here, okay? So, I'm going to throw out four potential obstacles for them. And, again, you can always tweet into the show at rundown987. Interested to hear if somebody else has a bigger one. Or Mitch, if you have a different one. I just tried to go basically one from from each team in the NFC West. And so for me, the biggest obstacle standing in the Cardinals' way, even if they play well, what's standing in their way, to me is either the 49ers defense, Sean McVay, Russell Wilson, or, again, because I was just trying to come up with one from each team, so I got to look internally with the Cardinals, I would say just their general lack of experience at a lot of major positions. I mean, this is Cliff Kingsbury's 18th NFL game he's coaching this weekend. This is Kyler Murray's 18th NFL game he's playing. Those are two pretty important positions. And then just collectively, when your quarterback hasn't played and your coach hasn't coached, as a team, you don't have a lot of cohesive experience in big games together. I mean, who on this team really has big game experience other than Fitz, uh, Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones, but not with the Cardinals. Uh, I don't... If I'm remembering right, they have not been above 500 until now, since Chandler Jones joined the Cardinals.
2: I was going to add, if you think about some of the teams that have recently gone to the Super Bowl, not necessarily won, but have gone, where are they spending their money, right? These are all teams that had good draft picks, took good quarterbacks, didn't have to spend a lot of money on the offense, but built with the pieces, and the money that they spent were on good veterans to help surround the team, And they all won while that quarterback was, or they got there, I should say, while that quarterback was on the rookie deal. So I go back to your point saying, if they do this, it needs to be within those three years. I'm saying, if they do this, it needs to be before they pay Kyler Murray. That's a great point. Uh, And I guess I would tweak that a little bit and just say they can still be a
0: successful team and a Super Bowl contender, maybe even better off, while they're paying Kyler Murray. But your better chance to do it is now.
2: Because you you can spend money elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Look at what the Seahawks did. I mean, Russell Wilson was in the Super Bowl on his rookie deal, if I remember that right. I'll double Twice. check it, but I believe Yeah, and he won one. And he should have won the second one. Uh and now, look, Russell Wilson, I understand, is the extreme, probably as Bill Belichick said this week, somewhat underrated, even though he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But at the same time, he's in your division and he's the best quarterback in your division. So why people are like you know, I I've I've talked to Seahawks fans, they're like, okay, get it together there. You're trying to compare Kyler Murray to Russell Wilson, and then you know, fans uh, of of just other teams saying okay Cardinals fans are getting a little ahead of themselves comparing Kyler Murray to, to Russell Wilson he's the best quarterback in the division that's that's the bar that we have to measure the guy that is the number one pick and the reigning rookie of the year offensively in the NFL so yeah Russell Wilson is is who we're going to compare him to that's that's the goal so to your point Mitch you know, the, the team isn't matured around him collectively, like as a team yet. But really, the window to, to start winning and start doing some damage. I said this towards the end of last year, too, even as crazy as it may have sounded then, the start of the 2020 season starts your window because Kyler Murray is not a rookie anymore. He's not a finished product, but you're paying him much less than you're going to be paying him in a few years. And this is not Major League Baseball where you can just, if you have more money, you can just pay for all the players you want. There's a salary cap, and your quarterback is a guy you're going to pay. So they'll pay up for Kyler Murray, but that's going to make it a lot harder to have a strong defense or to have a strong offensive line or to ever be able to add another guy like DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you're paying DeAndre Hopkins, too. So think about that. Go a few years down the line. You're paying Kyler Murray and
2: DeAndre Hopkins. You're That means you're hurting somewhere else. You better be drafting really well. And not just monetarily, too, but sentimentally. You got to win something for Fitz before he retires. I, that's, yeah, you can't put a price on that. Well, looking at the Cardinals
0: offensively, the game against Washington this weekend, it was sort of a disjointed game against San Francisco, other than DeAndre Hopkins. And like I said, Kyler being able to run when he needed to in the second half. Kenyon Drake was fine, but he wasn't amazing. Mitch, you brought that up on Monday. Like Kenyon Drake was, was good, but do you need more out of, out of Drake? Um, Fitz was, was good at the start of the game and obviously had that big heads-up play at the end of the first half. We didn't even see Christian Kirk, barely. And Andy Isabella, I actually did not see during that game. But specifically to the running game, because the 49ers, as good as their defense is, their run defense is kind of the way to attack them if you're going to. Running game never really got going outside of Kyler on Monday. This is Kenyon Drake today talking about uh, how they rushed against San
1: Francisco. From the running game perspective, it kind of came to a slow start. Obviously, they have a, a great front seven, um, but we were able to uh, just kind of lean on them a little bit at the end of the game, um, keep the tempo on them. Um, there were times that I look out there and um, they had a whole entire different defensive front out there and you know obviously just like us um, there were no preseason games to kind of get that game win under you so we just took advantage of that played fast and uh, we was able to kind of end the game on our own terms uh, in the fourth quarter with that four-minute situation
0: yeah one more here from Kenyon Drake you heard him talking about the front seven of the 49ers there how about what challenges the Washington front seven poses this sunday
1: i mean it's gonna be a great challenge i feel like week in and week out uh you know obviously there's a league of best of the best and um we're gonna to have to obviously once again bring our best to the table uh facing against uh, a great front seven front four um in the washington football team um they have uh, pretty much four uh first rounders Plus, you know, great players backing up, coming in to uh, relieve them in certain situations. So we're really going to have to just focus on our game plan. We um, feel like we have a great game plan to come out there and uh, take advantage of, you know, some of the things that they do and um, uh, continue to just do the things that we do best. Uh, keep a tempo on them, uh, you know, wear them down, uh, get them not rushing as hard and as, you know, quick off the edge.
0: It's the other thing too, and you're talking about all the the reasons to be excited about this weekend's game, and just you know the position that you're in now, the Cardinals. You you you're going into a game where you feel confident you can win, and if you do win, you're two and zero. I mean, the other thing is, as miserable as we're all going to be on Monday if they lose, they'll be one and one. Like you're not going to be in an O two hole. How many? What the last five years? Every time they start the season, they start O and one. It's like now. You don't have much of a buffer in the NFC West. They, they need to, like I said, they need to go at least 3-2 and two and probably 4-1 and one in these first five games. Otherwise, you're going to have to make up for losing to a team like the Jets or the Lions by beating Seattle and the Rams and maybe trying to sweep San Francisco later on in the year. So there's there is extra pressure on these next four games because on paper, they're four of your, quote, easiest games of the year. But for the first time in half a decade, we're not already chasing the season one game in. And
2: it, it's just it's a whole different, it's just a more refreshing way to, to watch football, isn't it? Remember our reactions after the very first week of Steve Wilkes' first game? Yeah. Remember how high we were on the way he was coaching the team, and yet we were a little skeptical that he was changing up the way the defense was? Yeah. And yet, they went out there against Washington and scored six points. Yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: I wouldn't even say the, the week after that game. I would say by halftime. I remember we were all looking at each other in the press box like, um, this doesn't look like a football team. And it was different last year. I know their first half of their first game under Cliff Kingsbury, they didn't look right. But in the second half, they immediately looked different. And that's the thing. If they go out there and lose to Washington this weekend, at least right now in this just cloud of optimism I'm in. Is it a cloud? Is it? I don't know what it is. It would be some sort of...
2: Just don't say smoke. Okay.
0: Some some sort of uh, wave of optimism I'm in. We can't say wave in 2020 either. I don't know. I'm optimistic. Um, if they lose to Washington, I feel like it's going to be because Washington played well. Whereas in the past, it was always like, yeah, they lost because... Cardinals lost because they just they they were they had all these errors. The offense was terrible, the defense didn't do anything outside of Chandler Jones. Like I don't think that's gonna be the case. I feel like if we're in here talking about a loss on Monday, I don't wanna be, but A, at least they'd still be one and one. And B, I think it's gonna be because Washington did some things right. I don't think this Cardinals team is going to self-destruct as much as we have seen in the past. I don't know am going to I I s I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this wave of optimism into this weekend and see if we come out of it 2 and 0 because if that's the case you're firmly in the playoff conversation at that point nobody can deny that. All right, we come back. We're going to go around the NFL, some uh, some news and notes across the league. Quite a quite a busy Friday as we head into week 2. That's next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 987 FM Arizona Sports Station. Worried there that you had some sort of like remix that never actually hit the payoff there. <laughs> I was just going to end up waiting for three no, hours. Oh, I'm
2: not that cruel. Well,
0: Come on. I, I didn't, I mean, maybe we didn't communicate. Maybe you didn't expect me to wait for the the, the change in tempo there. Or maybe, you know, I got to give Mitch a lot of credit. Mitch is a huge Denver Nuggets fan. It is Friday night. The huge. Nuggets are playing the Lakers game one of the best of seven, obviously Western finals, to get into the, uh, the championship against Miami. Or I guess Boston's technically still in that series, too. Um they're playing right now Friday night and he's here producing the show now he is wearing his is that a throwback Jamal Murray Jersey no 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 it's last year's city okay Jersey okay I can't really see it from here I can no just it's see okay it Murray. um but still dialed in on the show we get, we're gonna have some fun segments coming up here later on we're gonna do a little bit of a fantasy football segment later on in the show. Uh, we're going to see how that goes. It's going to be completely spontaneous, and uh, zaniness will ensue. I will promise you zaniness. I don't like. I can't guarantee any, any not, anything beyond
2: not that. not to the level of Jarrett Carlin, but still zany enough that hopefully we don't drive away listeners. Yeah, I mean Jarrett would be more hijinks with like a wacky morning show. Yes, a little
0: bit of like a dabbling in shenanigans too. Uh, so here's some NFL, some news from around the league. Robert Woods, a four-year extension with the Rams. George Kittle. Out for the 49ers on Sunday. Um, I think anybody that's impartial or knows anything saw the play where he got hurt against the Cardinals. Buda Baker's not out there trying to injure anybody. I think we all heard stories this week of what Buda Baker had to put up with because George Kittle got hurt on a, on a hit by Buda Baker. But putting all that aside for a second, 49ers are going to be without their best offensive weapon again this Sunday. Now, they're playing the Jets, who are a dysfunctional high school team, but if the 49ers somehow lost that game and started 0-2, or even if they beat the Jets because it's the Jets and they lose Game 3 because they don't have George Kittle, I mean, this is something to pay attention to, not in the sense that you want anybody to get hurt. George Kittle, for my money, is one. he's right there with Travis Kelsey. I think he's very even with Travis Kelsey. as the two best tight ends in, in the NFL, so I mean... For me, I want to see the best players playing. So it's not any of that. But it, there is sort of a reminder here that this is why teams drop off in the NFL from one year to the next and why other teams rise up. Injuries. It's just, it, it sucks, but it's an unavoidable part of the game. If San Francisco is missing George Kittle for the next two or three weeks or whatever, and they haven't said that, they're just missing him this weekend against the Jets, but again, I can't use this as an example because it's the Jets. But if they're missing George Kittle for a couple weeks and they play real NFL teams in there, that's going to hurt them. And that's just that's, that's why you see such turnover in the NFL each year. And I don't know how I got to this point, but that's why you do have to give the Patriots credit for what they've done over the last decade and a half. I don't know
2: why I've talked myself into a corner where I'm crediting the Patriots. Here, let me talk you out of it. Okay, please do. Isn't it weird how the best tight ends in football are also pseudo wwe superstars (laughs) it's
0: true it really is either that or like they have their own reality shows like you've either got gronk and kittle they're on pace
2: they're on pace or you have yeah travis kelsey with his uh his shows i'm just waiting for that new reality show where all three of them are together living in a house and it's you know who's the third best tight end in football right now well, not best, but still fits the epitome, Gronk.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I would watch that show. We all would, obviously. That's a given. Gronk, Kelsey, and Kittle. There's yeah. got to be a name. Combine them all together or something.
2: Tight ends in the house. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what. Take sort it of, to the house. What sort of audience you're going to? Something, attract something. With that house title. tight ends.
0: Okay. Um, but who is the third best tight end in the NFL right now? Well,
2: Dan Arnold. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: um, Mark Andrews looks pretty good in Baltimore. Uh, other news. James Conner, sounds like he's good to go Sunday. That's more of a fantasy thing. If you uh, started him on Monday night, you weren't very happy because he was awful. Oh, yeah, Mitch. Mitch was one of those people because we were in the newsroom and you were not happy. Um, he was awful and then he was hurt. At least I didn't have Saquon Barkley who actually played. Yeah, he was somehow worse <laughs> than, uh, than James Conner was. So that's uh, those are those are some of the main NFL headlines around the, uh, the league right now. And as we mentioned, I mean, Cleveland... I'm not going to read a whole lot into beating Cincinnati, but Cleveland did get a uh, they got a win last night. Joe Burrow, I mean, these are his first two games. I understand he's zero two, but the Bengals have been in each of those two games. That's that's more of a testament to him than than anything else. Cincinnati has right now. Do you think the Bengals could finish eight eight? No.
2: Okay, that no. was all I
0: had. Only if they if they replayed this season, like you know those simulators where they play it out like a ten thousand times. I think if you played this season 10,000 times, Cincinnati could at one
2: point reach 500. Yeah. Well, even those two first games, just like you said, they were still in them. Yeah. Would they be in them if they still had Andy Dalton? Uh, I think it's because of Joe Burrow that they're as solid looking as they are. Yeah. I mean,
0: the other thing is, I don't know how good the Chargers or Browns are, but I, I, I see what you're saying. But they're more exciting with Burrow. Nothing against Dalton, but he's he's just not real exciting at this point. <laughs> So back to the Cardinals here Chandler Jones had one sack over the weekend against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers that's expected honestly I expect more <laughs> from Chandler Jones he was fine but I'm just saying you go into a game I assume at some point Chandler Jones is getting a, a sack so if, if anything I expect more but the defense collectively was uh, it, it that that was that was encouraging and we had to do the um, the preseason Predictions on ArizonSports.com about a week, two weeks ago, and, and I'm trying to remember what all the questions were. One of them, though, was how is this defense going to look in year two under Vance Joseph? And aside from my answer of the continuity being key, especially this offseason, but really just any offseason for this team, the second part of my answer was if this defense plays to its capability, the Cardinals will make the playoffs. I mean, as it's, it's fun as the offense is, as much as that's where all the the big names are right now for this team at least from a national perspective. This team will make the playoffs based on what their defense does, and their defense was very good against San Francisco. It kept them in the game early, it made a couple big plays, that goal line stop was huge. They would have been down 17 to 7. And that wasn't just Chandler Jones. That I guess is is the roundabout way of saying that's what was encouraging to me. I expect Chandler Jones to get a sack and and be a menace in every game because he always is. But we've seen this team struggle even though Chandler's been great for the last four years. The defense though collectively, just one game looked pretty good in week one. This is Chandler Jones today talking about what is potentially different about this year's defense.
3: I feel like we definitely played we definitely played together more and uh, we were on we were all on the same page. the offense played with the defense and in special teams we all cylinders were rolling. Um, it took us a little while to start clicking, but when it clicked, I mean you guys saw it. And uh, we we were very happy that we were on the, the right side of the win and loss column this season. Um, because the two games that we played in last year, I mean, we're, they were, we lost, but we're, they were both close games. So uh, we were very fortunate to be on the right side of the column, and we can just build from that moving on to week two. Chandler doesn't talk a lot
0: during the, the season, you know, during, like, practices and stuff. But, but he's he, good when he talks. He really is. He really, really is. Just really art, articulate, and, but also... I don't even know how to quantify this. He, he talks in a way where it's like he can do something 99.99999% of the population can't do. And he does talk from that
2: perspective, but he doesn't talk like a, I'm better than you because I can do it. Humility. Yeah. But also and I think part of that is because he doesn't get all the national attention that he should. Fair. Very fair. Um more from chandler jones
0: because one of the few guys that had a rough sunday for the cardinals was isaiah simmons and it's really not fair he's been thrown out there as a rookie against the team that won the nfc last year the defending nfc champs not super bowl champs nfc champs and isaiah simmons was in a a tough spot this is chandler jones on you know what the learning curve is going to be like for the rookie
3: yeah isaiah i've seen spurts of his explosion his speed um, but what I've seen from from the game also, is just learning experiences, honestly. Uh, and that, even me, you know, having not having a preseason and, and going straight out to a, a regular season game, these are all learning experiences. You know, the the atmosphere with the crowd noise and the crowd and uh, the no fans and that nature. Um, so each opportunity, each an opportunity that we have to go out there is also uh, it's an opportunity to get better and learn. I do think we're going to see a lot of. Um... You know, if you're trying to
0: predict games, we're going to see a lot of differences this week from week one just because of no preseason. Like, you expect it in a guy like Isaiah Simmons, but is it possible San Francisco's offense wasn't clicking last week because of no preseason? Or is it possible Washington looked better than they actually are because Philadelphia wasn't clicking because of no preseason? You know what I mean? Like, there's no way to know that on that level for every team. I think we have a pretty good feeling for how the Cardinals should look. But I do wonder, we're going to see some teams that won in Week 1 that are going to look terrible this week, or vice versa.
2: You know one thing I noticed, mostly because I was running a majority of the broadcast on Sunday, and Pash pointed it out, Patrick Peterson's name was not called a whole lot. And you can look at that one of two ways. One, he wasn't very involved, which could be a bad thing. But two, the way I see it, is that Jimmy G was not throwing his way at all. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Yeah,
0: and you know, I would even piggyback on that and say there are certain teams where you're just not going to notice Patrick Peterson as much. Now, look, I mean, he famously had a terrible game against them on Halloween last year. Emmanuel Sanders just came and obviously Sanders is in New Orleans now, but Sanders torched him last year, and we talked about Patrick Peterson a ton because we don't usually talk about Patrick Peterson. do we actually see him doing the game because he doesn't typically do much either. Either he's covered his guys so well, teams don't throw at him, or he's just knocking a few passes away. But the other thing I would say, though, to piggyback on your point is San Francisco feels like one of those teams, now that they don't have Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel wasn't playing, that they don't have like a true number one that you're going to put Patrick Peterson on for most of the game. You know what I mean?
2: I mean, once Kittle was out, they were down their top three receivers in Ayuk, Samuel, and Kittle. Yeah. So you've got Kendrick Bourne. No disrespect, but I don't know if I'm always trusting Kendrick Bourne to make the catch. (laughs) He's he's probably not going to go to the Pro Bowl
0: this year. And maybe he will if they don't have anybody else that can play. All right, we come back. We're going to hear from the GM, Steve Keim. Uh, we've heard from him a lot over the last couple of years during tough times, but now the Cardinals 1 0 heading into a matchup with Washington this weekend. We'll hear what he had to say next. It's the rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here with you. Mitch Vareldis behind the glass. Great to be doing this show again. Second one of the week. We head into week two of the NFL season. The Arizona Cardinals did make a move today, adding Mike Nugent to their practice squad. So, you know, on the surface, okay, big deal. You added a backup kicker. Well, yeah, except... This is actually a position that could end up being a big deal. Now, Mitch, this is Cliff Kingsbury today, right? When I mean, he was asked, yes, what exactly the thinking was behind adding Mike Nugent?
1: Yeah, that's been in the works for uh, the last month or so. I think more than half the teams have done that, having a specialist on call that's ready to go in case uh, you know Zane caught the uh, COVID. Um, we'd have a guy readily available and could actually take extra points and field goals. So. Um, Nugent has done a great job in this league, and we we're lucky to be able to kind of add him for that, that insurance policy.
0: So, Zane Gonzalez missed two kicks this past week. Um, they were long kicks. Like, I, I don't think that this move was made to, to say to Zane, hey, guess what? You got one more game. Like, I don't, I don't think that's what was going on. There were certainly worse kicking performances around the NFL this week, like Steven
2: Goskowski. Who... He said it's been in the work for months, though. The listeners can't see, but you're pointing at me like you're a detective that just crashed. No, 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 no. no. I I tried to do that so I can get your attention. Oh. But in the works for months, and they, they didn't just sign any veteran kicker, right? They signed a guy who has 15 years of NFL experience.
0: Yeah. Well, look, and you and I were talking about this before the show. If I'm Zane, I'm looking over my shoulder a little bit because there is now a second kicker. There's a new kicker in town, which, by the way, would be like the worst sports documentary ever. There's read. a new kicker in town. I don't know what voice that would be, but it's somewhat frightening and inspiring all at once. Um, there is a second kicker now in the organization. So, yeah, if you're Zane, you did go one for three on, on Sunday, and all's well that ends well. I mean, they won the game. Those kicks that he missed were long kicks, but you know, if he goes out there and struggles against Washington, and he goes out there and struggles in week three, okay, well, they have their net, They have their replacement on the practice squad. That is that is undeniable. If Zane, if Zane struggles here for a few weeks, then yeah, Mike Nugent's there. But as you heard Cliff say right there, it's more than just that. I mean, with this strange season, first of all, the practice squad is bigger now. It's 16 guys instead of 12. So you can have a little extra room to have a kicker on the practice squad because Look, anything can happen. The way this season's going, but what if, what if Zane is? They have to rule him out on Sunday morning. They don't. That's not the. That's. that's there's no indication that's going to be the case right now. But like, what if that happens in Week Seven? What are you <laughs> going to have fifth kick too? Like, you're going to have to. You want to have Mike Nugent
2: right there uh, and ready to go. Who was the team last year that had to run their punter out there for every kicking scenario? I uh, can't remember. It, 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 I feel like that happens like every. Every year,
0: now or every other year. I mean, the Monday night game with how bad Goskowski was, they got to a point in Tennessee where they were just they weren't going to kick field goals. It felt like until at the very end. Sorry to bring this up, Mitch. I forgot it was against Denver.
2: Well, of course he kicks the one <laughs> kick that actually matters. But granted, if he had made all the other ones, Denver would have lost by the by two scores. Yeah. So either way, Denver lost. Who was it at the start of last year? Remember
0: Adam Vinatieri for uh, for the Colts. I remember week two. I
2: remember the week. Every week he would miss one relatively simple kick.
0: Yeah, but I remember, because I was out of town week two, and I remember watching Cardinals-Ravens, I think it was in San Diego. And I just remember when we were driving around town, it was like, oh, yeah, Adam Vinatieri missed another kick. Oh, he missed another kick. Oh, he missed another one. Like, I don't, I mean, obviously kicking is is, uh, at least partially mental when you see a guy like him or a guy like Goskowski on Monday night. It's like, okay, clearly you know how to make your kicks. Why are you missing extra points and field goals?
2: In his defense, just came off of hip surgery. Which yeah. is kind of an important piece of being able <laughs> to kick a football. I'm no kicking expert, but I do feel like your hip is
0: important when kicking a football.
2: The yes. hip bones connected to the... Never mind.
0: Uh, we almost made it. What? Almost an hour and fifteen minutes before one of us started singing, and we knew that that person that was going to sing wasn't going to be me. <laughs> to get back into the uh, the Pac-12. This is the statement from the Pac-12 CEO Group. This is from about an hour ago, a little little over an hour ago on Twitter. Quote, the Pac-12 CEO Group had an informative and productive meeting earlier today. We plan to reconvene this coming Thursday, September 24th, to make a decision regarding possible return to play prior to January 1st. The health and safety of our student athletes and all those connected to Pac-12 sports will continue to be our number one priority in all of our decision making. Unquote. Now we talked about this in the first hour, right when that statement came out. If you are caught up in the timeline of they got to start October 31st, because if they have to wait till November 7th, well then that's it; there will be no playoff for the Pac-12. Um, look, I went to a Pac-12 school, so the jokes that well they wouldn't be involved in the playoff anyway are getting old. But at the same time they wouldn't have been involved in the playoff anyway, so I feel like I need to point that out. I mean, who are the teams, legitimately from the Pac-12 this year, that you feel like, all things being equal, everybody started in Week 1 like they were supposed
2: to, who really has a chance to make the playoff? Oregon? I think, really, realistically, three or four. Oregon, Washington, USC, and Utah. I yeah. can't put ASU up there. I have not seen the team that has been put on paper yet. No, I'm not I'm not saying you should put ASU on there. I'm wondering if you have too many teams on that list, to be honest. I well, that's we- why I said three or four. I just my wild card with that group is Utah. Yeah. Only because they choked hard down yeah. the stretch. But I, I see that's the thing, and this is this is partially a hole the Pac twelve dug
0: themselves. But I think even if Utah had won out at the end of last season, I think the committee still was, was not looking the Pac-12's way. I, like, I think Oregon has enough cachet and, and name credibility around the NCAA where if they went 11-1, and 1, okay, there's a decent chance they get in as opposed to if Utah went 11-1. and 1. Um, But that's going to be a moot point this season. I mean, I guess if you start October 31st, but see, that's, you're already, if they're not even going to make their decision until this upcoming Thursday, that's going to give you what five weeks?
2: I think it was Bickley and Murata were talking about it. Is eight, that six. The, the Big Ten has given themselves no wiggle room? It's eight straight weeks of football with yeah. no room for if you have to move a game because it's canceled because of COVID. Yeah, there is none.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's that's going to be, I guess, best case for the Pac-12. Now this is where it's going to get weird. I mean, if you if you look around, I hear what you're saying. We haven't seen an ASU team on paper yet that ha- that has gone out there and, and been a. Uh, a playoff contender, and I—I I don't think in a 12-game season this year they would be that team. But I said this all last year, so I need to stay consistent with it. All of last year, I was looking towards this year as being the year I thought ASU could go to the Rose Bowl. Now, I mean, they lost Danny Gonzalez in the off season. They've lost some pieces, and he was obviously a huge part of that defense. But if they played a seven-game season, wouldn't it just be the most Arizona sports thing ever to have ASU go seven and zero, but not be eligible for the playoff? Like. I could see a scenario where they go seven and zero. I couldn't see a scenario where they would go twelve and zero. But what did they start last year? Five and one. I mean, seven and zero is possible when you have when you have a quarterback like Jaden Daniels and you have that talent on defense. It's possible. I mean, you're replacing you know Benjamin. You're replacing Brandon Ayuk. I'm not going to sit here and tell you ASU is going seven and zero if they play seven games. But it's possible.
2: Who did they face in the primetime game last year? What was it? Oregon. Uh, I remember the Washington State game. For some reason. I remember that one, too. Um, but well, I remember there was these, one game they had on primetime. All these Oregon games are the, running together. I think it was at that point, I think it was very early on, too, that we were all thinking to ourselves, this is actually the team that could contend for the South. Well, they yeah, they had the Michigan State game. Are you thinking of
0: Michigan State? I think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was that <laughs> 10-7 win. Um, Oregon, though, I mean, that, look, here's the thing with ASU last year. They beat Michigan State. They beat Cal when they were a top 15 team. And they beat Oregon at the end of the season. I mean, ASU was a big part of that puzzle of, of the Pac-12 not being involved in the playoff because they beat Oregon. Um, it's, again, I'll, I'll, I'll put that caveat out there in case somebody's turning it on right now and, and they didn't hear it in the first hour. To me, the most important thing is obviously the safety of the players to a whole nother level when you're talking about student-athletes because they're not getting paid to play. Somebody else is making money off them being out there. So in addition to them risking injury... And, and look, as a student-athlete, you get a lot of benefits too. But in addition to them risking injury just on a play, they're putting their health at risk if they play during a pandemic. I want, I want that minimized as much as possible. But that said, I'd really like to see the Pac-12 play because they're going to fall behind the other conferences if all the other Power 5 conferences are playing and the Pac-12 isn't. And selfishly, for ASU, if you don't play this season, it's not like you just put everything on pause and it's like, oh, okay, well we we'll just have Jaden Daniels for two more years. No, no. That's not how this works. Like you have Jaden Daniels for two more years. You don't have him for two more seasons. So if you don't play this season, that you just burned one of your years. Like he still goes to school. Yeah. He's not gonna redshirt. No, he's not. He's gonna He's redshirt now. I mean think about just in your own personal life and everybody's like, oh well, you know, everything's on pause right now. Like yeah, not really. Other stuff is happening that you're falling behind on, but you have to you have to be smart. But you are missing out on stuff. I mean, it's just that it's one of the things that sucks the most about this whole situation. But I think it's going to be really tough for the Pac-12 to look around and say, OK, the SEC is playing. I mean, we knew they were going to play no matter what. But the ACC is playing. And the Big 12 playing. And now the Big 10 playing. Can we really afford to not play for so many different reasons, financially being one of them? But again, I'll go back to my earlier point. Recruiting. How many recruits do you have lined up for next season? that are going to be like, hey. If you guys aren't going to play, then I'm just going to go somewhere else. Even even if it's not so simple as that, it mean, maybe it's just as, as basic as recruits down the line aren't getting to watch you on TV because you're not playing. Or guys you have on your team are getting uneasy. Like Jaden Daniels has been one of the biggest names. Uh, Slovis for USC tweeted right at the uh, California governor, didn't he? <laughs> Wasn't Keaton Slovis was the one that, was. yeah. So, I mean, you have players and you have big name players, even though your, your conference never gets to the playoff. You have very talented players in this conference right now that are like, I came to your school to play football. When do I get to play football?
2: You know, you, that, there's a fine line you have to walk there, certainly. And the cruelty of this whole scenario is you're talking about these players don't get paid. Yeah. Well, if they don't play, they won't get the money that they expect to get paid if they get drafted. Yep. Or signed as an undrafted free agent. That's why they want to play. Well, I mean, granted, they're accepting the fate if they get the virus, but they won't get paid someday if they don't play this season.
0: Yeah. And the other the harsh reality of it is, I mean, I I'm all for you know the the smaller sports and the equality across all the sports. Don't get me wrong at all, but the reality, and unfortunately, we're seeing this is the NFL is the one that brings in the most money. So all the other sports, or not the NFL, I'm sorry, just college football is the one that brings in the most money. So the other sports need college football to, to happen. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, i mean, certainly stay tuned. I guess we'll know now by uh, by Thursday of this upcoming week. All right, we come back. This to be our first fantasy football segment of the season. We're going to call it Read and React, and we're going to go. It's going to be rapid fire and we come back. Luke Lipinski, it's the rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. We are going to move quickly here. This is the first time we've done this, but basically this is what it's going to be. I'm going to read a game. Mitch and I are each going to just off the top of our head give you the, the fantasy storyline we're most interested in. Then Mitch will read a game. We'll just go back and forth. We got to get through 15 games. Mitch, I'm going to
2: let you read the first game. The first game on the same website we are looking at Giants versus Bears. Your fantasy takeaway. Um, looking to see how
0: Saquon Barkley bounces back after a miserable Monday night performance against the Steelers.
2: I'm looking to see if Mitchell Trubisky can repeat for a second consecutive win oh boy we're hardy on mitchell trubisky watch all right falcons cowboys can matt ryan replicate the amount of yardage but actually turn it into a win uh for the cowboys amari cooper's questionable this seems to be a thing with him right now
0: i'm i'm intrigued by cd lamb we heard a lot about how this offense was supposed to be the nfc version the light version of the chiefs with you know Cooper and and Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb for Dak Prescott to throw to and of course Ezekiel Elliott didn't see it in week one against the Rams though so we'll, we'll find out next game Lions Packers uh for me I want to see if Aaron Rodgers follows up what he did in week one where he kind of reminded everybody that he
2: is in fact Aaron Rodgers I want to see if he does that again here in week two I want to know if the Lions will be any different if they have Kenny Galladay available Matt Stafford looked pretty good with the receiver options he had available minus his number one.
0: Yeah, man, you don't, you don't want to have a, a receiver of Kenny Galladay's caliber missing multiple games to start the season.
2: Uh, Vikings and Colts. How many interceptions will Phillip Rivers throw? Just kidding. <laughs> Will the Vikings actually put together the same performance and keep it as a win? Because their defense is pretty good, and that offense wasn't too terrible last week.
0: Yeah, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I would say I want to see how the Colts' backfield shakes out. For me, I don't know how many leagues you're in, Mitch. How many are you in? I'm four. in four. Okay, I'm in four as well. Are we, We're we not in any together, though, are we? That's fine. Wow. Okay, well, that means we can each win all four yes, of our exactly. leagues. Yes, uh, exactly. Marlon Mack was a guy that I was grabbing in the 10th, 11th round, because everybody's kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. He was, the, he was the starting running back for the Colts. Right. So if you're going to... If you don't go running back early in the draft, if you want to focus on receivers or whatever, you have to find a guy like Marlon Mack. He's not the only one. And he looked good to start the last game, and now he's done for the year. So I want to see how the Colts' backfield shakes out with Naheem Hines and
2: Jonathan Taylor. Got to say, you got to feel pretty good if you drafted Jonathan Taylor. Not just if you're the Colts, but if you're a guy who took him in the super late rounds. Yeah, definitely. Now, as a ad place, let's look at Bill's Dolphins. Uh...
0: I'm still trying to figure out who the Bills running back is. You know, as a fantasy player, you hate the running back by committee. I would like to see either Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. I mean, for me, selfishly, Zach Moss, because I have him in a lot of leagues, but just one of them sort of emerged. They're both very young. This is only Singletary's second year, so I'm still watching the Bills backfield.
2: I think if you're the Dolphins, you have to wonder, how much longer does Ryan Fitzpatrick have? Not saying many people own him. But only 11 points against a Patriots defense that has one good piece, in my opinion. Oh, wow. I mean, he won Defensive Player of the Year, but I can't his... name any other any other Patriots defenders. Well, they did have a lot of guys opt out uh, to that point. 49ers and the Jets from New York slash New Jersey. How much longer until Lev Bell regrets his decision? He should already regret it now. They have no offensive line. They can't protect their best two players. And everybody hates everybody, apparently.
0: Yeah, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I really have two storylines in this one for me from a fantasy perspective. One, you know, how is San Francisco going to throw the ball out? And, you know, it doesn't come into play in this game because we already know Kittle's ruled out. But when is he coming back? Because he is one of the best tight ends. The other thing... I want to know who the Jets' running back is, because it isn't Le'Veon Bell. And I can't imagine your long-term answer is Frank Gore, although is there a longer-term answer in the NFL? Hey,
2: Frank Gore has been the best
0: option for every team, apparently. It's uh, Michael Pirine. I mean, who's going to be the Jets' running back? Because, as you know, if you play fantasy football, it all starts with running back. And that's a team that is terrible, but they don't really have a running back right now. Rams, Eagles. Well, I mean, if you have stock in any Eagles... What happened to that offense last week? And was it simply because Miles Sanders wasn't playing? Miles Sanders is supposed to play this weekend, so we'll see.
2: I want to know about the Rams' running back room. Is it time to give up on Cam Akers? Is it time to give up on Daryl Henderson? Is Malcolm Brown the lead back? He scored both of their touchdowns. And the running game. Yeah, that's interesting, because I think you have to go
0: with Malcolm Brown right now, but Cam Akers, you figure, is still going to be the guy long-term. You want him to be the future, right? Yeah. All right, well, I get to set you up on this one, then. Broncos and Steelers.
2: Ooh. Can Drew Locke have another clean performance at quarterback? No interceptions last week against Tennessee, and that's a good defense, too.
0: It is. The problem for you is Pittsburgh's a good defense as well. Um, I want to see how the Broncos passing game shakes out I I still don't really know what Drew Locke's ceiling is not like I would ever start Drew Locke in a fantasy league like Cortland Sutton uh, potentially Jerry Judy down the line are they going to be able to move the ball you may not get that answer this week because again they are playing Pittsburgh
2: I think the other obvious one we're overlooking is James Conner is healthy will he be healthy the whole game yeah all right next one this should be an interesting one actually Panthers and Bucks. Uh, for me, I mean, I just is Chris Godwin going to play? He was dealing with the uh, the
0: concussion issue coming out of week one, and then it seemed like he was okay, he was okay, and then on Wednesday he was back unable to practice. Now, he did practice today, so it seems like he will be able to play, but clearly Tom
2: Brady needs him. If it's fourth and one and you're the Panthers, why is the ball not in Christian McCaffrey's hands? That's that was the game, that's, and they lost. That's fair. Uh, Jaguars-Titans. Ooh. Can the Titans have a consistent field goal kicker? And can the Jaguars go 2-0 with Gardner Minshew? Um, no and no, apparently. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's going to be my answer. Doesn't sound like A.J. Brown. He's at least, he's deeply questionable for this game. So can the Titans move the ball at all through the air if they don't have A.J. Brown? All right,
2: setting you up for the local one, Cardinals against football team.
0: Uh, I'm actually interested in Antonio Gibson, the Washington football team running back who played receiver and running back in college. And from the Cardinals' perspective... Who's, who else is going to step up in the passing
2: game other than DeAndre Hopkins? Eight sacks last week yeah. against the Eagles. Is it time to pick up Washington's defense? That's that's a great call, actually. That's an
0: outstanding call, because even, even going on beyond this game, is Chase Young going to make
2: that much of a difference? Exactly. Uh, Ravens-Texans. Oof. How much better does Deshaun Watson have to be to actually will his team to a win? And... Will David Johnson get another touchdown? Was that supposed to be a pun, like Will Fuller? Was that? Was that? Like I that didn't mean f- it to
0: oh, be. Okay. Um, for me, Baltimore. I want to see how their backfield shakes out. J.K. Dobbins is obviously the future. When? How? How soon is that future for Baltimore?
2: This should actually be an interesting game. Two one and teams in the West: Chiefs, Chargers. Yeah, I want to see if Clyde Edwards
0: alaire can do it again for the Chiefs. It, it's funny that game was only eight days ago but the Chiefs game feels like it was it was forever uh, ago because it was the Thursday night game the Chiefs are just so fun to watch they really are and you know if if you want to flip it the other way Joshua Kelly uh, what's his role going to be with the Chargers
2: for the Chargers is Tyrod Taylor going to remain consistent and he can he be the starting starting quarterback for the rest of the year does Justin Herbert even need to play a snap this season how about that I've always felt like Tyrod Taylor is underrated not like so overlooked
0: he really is and and you know the injuries certainly have not helped him throughout his career but I always thought he was decent in Buffalo and they I felt like he got kind of a raw deal with Buffalo and then he went to Cleveland that year with Hard Knocks and he was out playing Baker Mayfield and obviously they were going to go to Mayfield at some point but he got
2: hurt. This is uh, the second time he's been on Hard Knocks in four seasons. 3 seasons. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Uh Patriots Seahawks. This will actually this is probably my game of the week. This will be the game oh, yeah. to watch. Good yeah. thing it's on Sunday. Can the Seahawks defense actually play? because they did not look good last week. Yeah, the Seahawks always seem to
0: start slow. Sometimes they still win, but those if you go back and look at their their first like two or three games each of the last few years, they don't really dial it up until later in the season. Uh, for me, sort of along the lines of what you said with the Patriots, that was a defense that a lot of people were going to take as one of the top two or three defenses this season. Then so many guys opted out. They looked fine last week, but that was against Miami. How does that Patriots defense step up against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks? Because if the Patriots defense gets you points this week, I mean, I wouldn't start them this week, but if they get points this week, then I think that's a defense you
2: can use the rest of the season. Other final footnote, will Cam Newton be a starting quarterback in fantasy football? Is he a good option? All right, last game, Monday night. Saints... Raiders.
0: Uh to me this one's easy. Who's who's Drew Bree's go to guy now with no Michael Thomas? I mean, you know, there's there's always plenty of targets to go around in the Saints passing game, but you know, however many passes are, are thrown out there or how many catches are made, half of them were always going to Michael Thomas and then everybody else kind of divided the other fifty percent. Logically, Emmanuel Sanders should step in and be that number one guy. Not that he'd be Michael Thomas, but he should be the number one guy. But this is only a second game
2: with the Saints. Are you going to regret not taking Josh Jacobs in the first round of all four of your fantasy drafts? How do you know I didn't do that? I don't know. Uh, I didn't. Did you get them anywhere? I didn't get the chance to. I got a sleeper Dalvin Cook pick, so I really liked that one. nothing wrong with that. All right, so that was fun. I think we're, we're going to try and do that every week. That was. Uh, I'm down for that. We got we got through that. I'll I'm- fix the bed so it's not YouTube playing ads in between. <laughs> I
0: thought we got sponsored randomly. Um, I, that's uh, I'm surprised we got through all of that and in, in that short of a segment. And now I'm talking and pushing us up against the break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell. Next, it's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Final segment of the show tonight as you lead into your weekend. Hopefully everybody out there has a great weekend. Make sure you block out a few hours to watch some Cardinals football on Sunday. I don't think I have to tell you to do that. If you're listening right now, you'll be watching some Cardinals football, maybe some other football on Sunday. Uh, We, on this show, routinely do a segment called Top 5, or sometimes Bottom 5 for the the worst in a category. What we're going to do tonight, because... It is football season It's week two So I think most people Are still in their Survivor pools At this point We figured we'd do A variation Where Mitch and I Are going to each give you Our top five winners Just straight winners This weekend That we're most confident in And I will tell you Mitch I had a hard time Coming up with a fifth one
2: I did too I looked at f- All of the 15 games re- 15? 15 games well, 15 remaining that are left yeah. yeah 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 I looked at the 15 games Remaining And I was confident In four Yeah and then I felt the okay about the fifth.
0: I'm pretty confident Cleveland's going to beat Cincinnati. Can I use that one or no? I, I think the window on that one is passed. Okay, okay. Uh, have you ever done a survivor pool? I have not done a survivor oh. pool, no. And people always have these interesting strategies. And my, my interesting strategy is always I take the Patriots in week one until I figure out what the other teams are doing. Because <laughs> Patriots always win. And I don't care if I have to burn them in week one until I get a feel. Because we still don't know what a lot of these teams are going to look like this season. Right. So why don't you give me... So your number five is the one... You're obviously confident in this team winning, but you're the least confident of these five games you're going to give us. Okay, so who do you have a number... And there will be some overlap here, I would And
2: unfortunately, I have to wait the longest to find out if they do win, and that's New Orleans on Monday night against Las Vegas. Uh, I have the utmost confidence that even without their best receiver, because it felt like that last week too, they will pull off an easy win on Monday night... I believe it is the christening of the new Vegas stadium. It is. is. So they're on the road, but they have a healthy and paid Alvin Kamara as well. Yeah. And that's going to be
0: my number five, too. I went back and forth with two other games. The only reason I have any concern... Is because we've seen the Saints outdoors in recent years. Right. Where for whatever reason, they just can't get it done. So you know what? Just for the sake of doing things a little bit differently, since you took that game, I'm going to take Tennessee over Jacksonville.
2: But I'm not real confident in that game because See, I'm not Tennessee either. just played on Monday night. And Jacksonville actually looked good against a team that was supposed to have a top-five defense this year. Yeah, but I think Tennessee does have a top-five defense. So that's one of those ones where, like, I think Tennessee is
0: going to win. I They are, are heavily favored. I don't think they should be heavily favored because Tennessee never blows anybody
2: out. But no. I'll, I'll go Tennessee as my number five. I mean, granted, if they win, they win. All right. I went first on five, so you go first on four. Plus, they don't have a kicker. That's concerning. <laughs> uh, number
0: four and this is something I try to avoid. In and in when you're picking, like, you just, this team has to win and you advance. I don't like picking road teams. I really, but I don't think that means as much this year. And I'm impressed by what I saw from Buffalo. So I'm going to take really? Buffalo over Miami. Okay. In Miami. Um, I think Buffalo's legit. I still am going to pick the Patriots to win that division, but that's not a knock on Buffalo. I think Buffalo is certainly a playoff team, and it wouldn't shock me if Buffalo won that division.
2: I'm going to preface this by saying the NFC North is by far the worst division next to the NFC East. Fair. But there is always the the glimmering light at the top of the division, that is the Green Bay Packers, especially when they get to host the Detroit Lions. So I've got them at number four. So we don't have any overlap here yet. So Not yet.
0: I'm waiting to see if we have a game where we each are very confident in opposite
2: teams in the I, same game. I feel like there's going to be at least one. Really? Okay. All right, at well, least one more. Like... I- we have to consider the three teams that are remaining. We're no, gonna no, no, hit.
0: No. I'm saying, is there gonna be a game where, like, I pick Buffalo and then you have Miami on your list going against Buffalo or something oh, like that? I don't. I think if I that see. was if that was gonna happen, it probably would have happened at five
2: or four. Who do you have at number three? At number three, I have as soon as I can get the music to actually come back. But <laughs> I. <laughs> you want me to go first? No, it's okay. I okay. can go first. They're going on the road. It's the christening of L.A.'s new stadium for L.A.'s other team, but it is the Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, defeating the L.A. Chargers. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I can't argue with that. I'm not going to argue picking the Chiefs over pretty much anybody. Right. Uh, My number three is a home team. Okay. It feels weird to do this. Don't feel... Are you going local? I'm going local. Ooh, boy. I'm, I'm just playing out potential scenarios in my head and there are certainly ways Washington can win this game don't get me wrong but I feel like there are significantly more ways Arizona can and should win this game and again they're at home Washington's traveling across the country that doesn't seem to hurt teams traveling from east to west as much as it traditionally hurts teams traveling west to east Mm -hmm. but I don't have much faith in uh in Dwayne Haskins yet I, like I said earlier, I'm interested, maybe intrigued is the better word, by what Antonio Gibson gives Washington. But I'm, I'm going to go, this is a game the Cardinals should win. I'm going to take the Cardinals as my number three most confident win this weekend.
2: Sounds good. I went first on three, so who's your number two? Number two... I'm getting less confident about this deeper we get into the week. Which is weird because these are the confident picks. No,
0: yeah, but I'm just this specific game. And this is oh, actually okay. this is what I'm gonna take in my actual survivor pool this weekend. So here we go. San Francisco. I just can't see them dropping to 0-2, and the Jets suck. But no George Kittle and no receivers. That's a little concerning, but I think their defense can score enough to beat the Jets. So, even though it's a road game, even though they're missing their best offensive player and then like their other best three offensive players, I'm going to go 49ers over the Jets.
2: Okay. Well, I might be spoiling this, but I I'm predicting that our 1 and our 2 are flip-flopped because at number 2, I have another road team, but granted we don't really know what Houston's going to be this year, but we are well aware of what the Baltimore Ravens are this season. And it's not a great matchup, but I have high confidence that Baltimore can easily boat race the Texans defense. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree with that. I don't have that game on my list, though.
0: So there will oh, not be a flip. Okay. So who do you have at number one?
2: Well, I guess I spoiled it. There's no way the Jets can beat the Niners, but that's right? Like,
0: that's like giving a spoiler alert, but then giving like
2: you're, you give the wrong ending to a move. Sure. But... Either way, I'm going Niners over the Jets. Okay. I can't possibly see a scenario where the Niners lose. Yeah. It, my only fear when, when you're trying to pick a game where you're like, oh, this team's
0: definitely going to win, I could see that being a low-scoring game. And that's that's my only worry. It's like, it becomes a low-scoring game. They anything still
2: have Raheem Mostert, and that Niners offense was better last year when they ran the ball as opposed to throwing the ball. Yeah. I still think this one's in the bag for them. And I, I, again... The Jets might go 0-16 this year. They might. Especially since the Jaguars can't. <laughs> so Somebody's gotta
0: at least be in contention. Exactly. Uh well my number one Goes along that same logic. I was just saying. If I, I like it in in a in a survivor pool. I like a team that I'm pretty confident can score a lot of points. Nobody scores more than the Kansas City Chiefs. Who you mm-hmm. mentioned you have on your list. Uh, nice win for the Chargers. They are they were a fun team to watch on Hard Knocks. I I feel like I like them more now. They're they're clearly the the little brother, like the forgotten team in L. A. Don't you want to play for Anthony Lynn? I kind of do he play. seems like a great coach and you know what honestly they've had so many injuries they could use both of us playing for their team so maybe we should do that as like yeah. a fit for the show but <laughs> uh kansas city man and they get a little extra rest because they played on thursday night they just steamrolled houston and houston's better than the chargers right so until until i see otherwise i'm gonna be picking the chiefs a lot i agree all right that uh that was so we only had one overlap that's crazy no. We, we picked we two, three we of the same teams, yeah. though, right?
2: The Ravens, the Niners, no. and the Chiefs. We, we oh, you didn't the pick Niners, the Ravens, the that's
0: Chiefs. right. Because going in reverse order, I had Tennessee, Buffalo,
2: Arizona, San Francisco, and the Chiefs. And who did you have? I had Saints, Packers, Chiefs, Ravens, Niners. Okay. Five to one. Okay. So there you go. Could be an interesting week. You know, we're still at that point
0: because it's so early in the season where there's going to be like some crazy upsets. But then three or four weeks, you know, there's going to be at least two games this weekend that when they end, you're going to be like, what just happened? And then three or four weeks from now, we're going to look back on probably one of those two games and be like, you know what? It makes sense. So-and-so really wasn't that good or so-and-so is that good. And like I said earlier, I am looking, you know, we react so much in real time and that's sort of what you have in the NFL cuz there's only one game each week mm-hmm. but like a team like the Colts high expectations coming into the season embarrassing start to lose to Jacksonville they
2: shouldn't have signed Philip Rivers no they really shouldn't have
0: but you know it's one game and even though it was bad what if they go out there and beat the Vikings this week and they go they win like their next 3 games or something that's not inconceivable and i guess the NFC equivalent of that would be would be Philadelphia i mean that was an embarrassing loss because they were up seventeen, nothing, too.
2: That team has been the exact same team for the past few years, and they've only gone to the Super Bowl once, and it was not with the quarterback they want the most. Yeah. yeah, you gotta feel a little embarrassed
0: if you're the Eagles. Philly fans are, you know, they're oftentimes the worst, but sometimes simultaneously the best too. I forget where I saw this somewhere on Twitter. Was uh. They referred to their quarterback depth chart, Jalen Hurts, as the backup, and always Hurts as the starter with uh, with Carson Wentz. So Philly, we didn't even really talk about that game much, but they will play the Rams. We're going to learn a lot about some of these teams. Are the Rams as dangerous as I think they are and thought they were going into week one? I actually ran them. I don't know why I had them over Dallas, but I did. Um, and, uh, you know, we need some of these teams in the NFC West that aren't the Cardinals to uh, to lose some games here this weekend. It's possible. The Seahawks could lose, and the Rams certainly could as well. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to Mitch Veraldis behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks to you for listening to The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station.